You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the Make Some Noise segment of the podcast. Uh, you probably tell by my tone, probably not feeling like making a lot of noise. Well, not, not a positive noise anyway. Uh, we're recording this in the wake of Hearts' defeat in Greece, a 4-0 second leg loss to Pauk. And this is about, what, 20, 30 minutes after full time. So it's all very raw. And um, as you've probably gathered from previous episodes of this particular part of the podcast, it's often just more an immediate reaction to how things have gone. I am Laurie Dunsire, uh, joined by a man who's been offering some really good insight in these episodes. Um, He's always been very measured, and I think that's been much appreciated. A lot of reason... Uh, not jumping to any conclusions and just keeping things in check. Uh, I'll be interested to see if it'll be the same this week. Scott McIntosh. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Laurie. Cheers. <laughs> You're not going to answer my other things I've thrown out there. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Not quite yet. I'm just not, I'm just, I didn't want to bite to it yet. Eh? I, I keep thinking if I give it another minute or two, I'm going to calm down a bit more. <laughs> Yeah, this is part of the reason why, it, it's not really, but the main reason I wasn't in the previous episodes is because I was on commentary duty and it was just very hard to organise, but um, y- you have been very reasoned, and I, and I said this to, to Mark and yourself, it's like it's quite good listening to you, because quite often, because I've been commentating and I'm all riled up and come back home, have five minutes to set up, I just spout what's kind of coming off the top of my head, but you, you, you always took a little moment, so um, I'd be interested to see how this one goes. So, so let's crack on. So um, you're listening to Scarves in the Funnel, of course, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Now, Hearts were in Thessaloniki, the very um, intimidating Toomba Stadium, known as um, the Black Hell. So a, a difficult atmosphere, not an easy place to go. And at the best of times, especially not when you're trailing 2-1 from a first leg. So, I mean, I don't think anyone was going into this game confident or even optimistic. You know, I don't think after the first leg, Scott, we were really expecting Hearts to go there and do something. I think we all were hoping there might be a huge result here. But I don't think we we went into this game really thinking, right, Hearts are going to go over there with a good chance of going through. You know, we've always got a chance. But it was more about, I guess... Putting on a putting in a performance that at least gave us some pride, wasn't it? Hopefully, it kept us in it and gave us a little bit of hope. But I don't think we were going there thinking, right, we've got to get a result here, or it's a poor, or it's a poor kind of night out. Yeah, I, I think what I was wanting to see tonight was a sort of proactive approach to the fact that we were two one down, and I felt as if the team set up, given how many defenders were on the park. We were almost set up to be reactive to what Pauk were going to do. And ultimately, we were 2-1 down, not 2-1 up. So that initial setting up of the team doesn't sit well with me. And and, and I get that there's maybe some caveats to that because we are struggling in centre midfield. But there was one or two tweaks that they could have made. They could have got maybe one or two other ball players on the park. I sort of felt like in that heat, given, you know, the, the extra metres, both in width and length of that park as well, 
it was vital that we made the ball do the work tonight and not feel as if we were just sending out a team of defensive-minded players to just chase shadows. And I yeah. kind of felt as if we played into their hands. You know, they're a, they're a well-drilled team and they do have two or three players in their uh, the sort of final third that can cause problems. But we definitely played into their hands by not looking to, you know, go in there with a proactive game plan, maybe play the likes of Lowry. And I appreciate guys like that are going to lose the ball. But you know what? We were 2-1 down. I, I really, really am disappointed with the mindset of the management team, which I think is filtering down to the players as well, if you see how mm-hmm. they handled the game tonight. And it might bring me on to one or two points that I want to make about the club as a whole, uh, maybe at a later stage if, if, if I get an opportunity, because as much as I have banged the drum for the last few weeks about treating these games in isolation, it's very difficult to do that if they're then getting sandwiched in with disappointing domestic games as well. And unfortunately, as harsh as it might be, that charge sheet for the current regime is going to keep stacking up. And that is mm-hmm. going to be another game that some fans will decide to uh, to use to hold against, you know, Naismith and McAvoy. So, yeah, really disappointed tonight and, and very difficult to look at in a sort of balanced and calm way because I felt like from the, the set-up to the performance... It was all very much, right, we'll give you the ball and we'll just see what we can do um, with, with some set plays and that. I just was just really disappointed with it and it was very sober in viewing, unfortunately. Yeah, you mentioned the team. I know that on the TV coverage, they, they put it up as a, th- a back three initially with wing backs, but it certainly wasn't that. It, it was... <sighs> I know some people talked about a four-two-three-one. It's one of these they do interchange between it. For me, it looked early on like a a four-four-two or almost a four-four-one-one with kind of Boyce sometimes dropping a little bit deeper than Shanklin, but certainly a back four. Atkinson was right, Kingsley was left, Kenton rolls in the centre, Vargas and Cochrane were kind of the wider players with Devlin and Civic in the centre, and as I mentioned, Boyce kind of up supporting Shanklin. I don't know what you thought of the initial lineup. I know a lot of people have commented on this, and I, I will get to some of the, the comments. A lot of people have been um, replying. I put a post out there just before we kind of came on air to get some live reaction, like we've got. Um, and you know, a few people have commented about the fact that we kind of started with six defenders. Now I know we've we we have got some players out, but we've we've now been told that Hearts aren't looking to make any signings. Um, is it a bit of a concern that we've kind of got? a left-back playing in midfield, we've got a centre-back playing in, in centre midfield, um, we're, we're kind of that sort of um, square pegs, round holes type of thing already, or I don't know, was that lineup the best that we could muster with who was available? No, I, f- I think we could have easily put a, a better 11 out there. Uh, I think I'd made my feelings clear at the, the end of the last episode after the Dundee match that I would like to have seen us have more players on the park that were comfortable with the ball at their feet. I think the exclusion of Grant from the squad certainly went against us. I think he's someone who, for for all his deficiencies that some people might see in terms of he sometimes you know comes in and flits in and out of games, he is someone who's comfortable with the ball. He is someone who's looking to make proactive runs, proactive decisions in terms of in that final third. So it would have been good to have had him as an option. Again, Lowry is certainly somebody I would have considered, especially given his second half performance on Sunday. I would have switched Kingsley and put him in at left centre half and played Cochrane at the left back. We are at a we're at a risk of ruining Alex Cochrane just now because we're switching them all over the place. It's bad enough as it is that he's had to serve this free match domestic league uh, sort of suspension at the start of the year, but we've now been playing them at left back, left wing back, left wing, centre mid, and it's it's not helping his development, it's not getting any sort of continuity and performances from him as well, and I know some people might say, well, what's the difference between playing left wing back and left back? Well, there is quite a big difference. You've seen it, even with elite footballers like Andy Robertson, they can play one position but not the other. Because there's a hell of a difference to having the whole game in front of you and then having to react to things happening behind you as you would as a, as a left wing back. So there's there's a lot of concerning decisions that are being made off the back of starting Beningame and Rosenberg. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's strange because, again, it, if you try and sort of look at this with a calm head, 
you can look at all the problems we've got, and then when you start to look at our league and the you know the the current progress that that our I suppose our our so called nearest rivals are showing just now, then we could easily still reach further fourth in the league this season. But I don't think it would be through our own making or our own consistency. I think there's going to be a lot of teams slitting each other's throats this year in the yeah. league, including Motherwell and Kilmarnock, because Hearts, Aberdeen and Hibs, none of these sides are showing that they're capable of either playing twice a week. Robson and Naismith are failing to live up to their their early promise in, in terms of setting up the teams accordingly. And Hibs are, are obviously maybe going to struggle when it comes to bringing in another manager because they've spent all their money and they're, you know, they've had these recruitment issues. So it, it's difficult because, yes, it might not hinder our domestic campaign as much as we might all think it will off the back of a 4-0 defeat. But again, we've spent months listening to the board you know, it's been a lot of hot air, it's been a lot of bravado, it's been a lot of, we're pushing for second, we want to get as close to the top two as we possibly can. Now, Andrew McKinley's been is probably one of the worst perpetrators of this, where he's, he's talked about, you know, back in January, oh, Aberdeen and Hibs are chasing us for third, and then, you know, he was I was at a Foundation of Hearts pot ceremony during the summer where he was talking a lot about us being the third force. It's all chat just now. I'm not seeing the action to back it up. And I would say last night, seeing Joe Savage doing his best Mike Bassett impression in a bar in Greece is not befitting a directory football the night before a big European tie. Now, fans can do whatever they want. Fans deserve their trips. Fans follow the club home and away. And however they want to react to this game pre and post match is completely up to themselves. It's a completely different thing. But club officials should not be treating this as a jolly. This is supposed to be business stuff. I'm I'm sorry, but it was the same last season. Everyone was jollying it up in Latvia because we beat some minnow side 2 0 and it we were treating it like a cup final. There's this horrible acceptance culture that permeates throughout the whole uh, boardroom just now, the whole club and this is probably why we've landed with Naismith and McAvoy in this current situation and I'm pretty fed up with it now because you can see it permeating amongst the players the players are reluctant to to try anything, everything seems so reactive from a sort of gameplay and sort of tactical standpoint and it's just incredibly frustrating that we're, you know, we're not even, we're just about entering September and here we are feeling so again, frustrated, annoyed, bemused at what we've just witnessed. And it's not it's not because of the talent, it's not because of not maybe having over-expectations of what this Hearts team should achieve. It's not just all about tonight. It's tonight rolled in with everything else that's happened over the last few months. And I'm sorry to say, they, they have got a really short window now to try and address this before I can imagine a big chunk of the fans are going to turn on this situation. In terms of the game itself, uh, it's a strange one because it's one of these, I think the biggest frustration for me is, you know, Pauk are a decent team. And I think, you know, they've got more resources than us and they've got some better technical players than us. But I didn't, I don't think it was like, you know, Fiorentina, for instance, last season, who he went very far in the competition and looked like real quality. I think sometimes there was frustrations against Fiorentina at times when I felt like they were maybe not having to be as good as they were. But you could see they were pretty, you know, well, well ahead of us, and you know, even far ahead than what we have to face when we play Rangers or Celtic. Whereas I thought Pauk were probably maybe not even as good as what we face when Rangers and Celtic come to Tank Castle. They were they were decent. Um. The game, there wasn't much in it. it Viarinha, early on, I'm saying, Viarinha had a decent shot off the bar when he cut in onto his left foot. Um, but they went ahead in the 16th minute, and it wasn't like, you know, Pauk were tearing us open at that point. It's such a soft goal, isn't it? I mean, it's a free kick from the left. Now, there's one, there's one element of this which I'm still slightly in disagreement with Mr. Donaldson. At. He's at the tennis, so he can't come on just now to give his side, but um, we were talking about the offside claim, and I felt there was a decent claim that this was offside for the 
Pauk player interfering with play. He comes from an offside position. He kind of runs across Shankland. He definitely affects Shankland's kind of view of the ball and he kind of has a half attempt at it and it comes all the way through and goes in. I, I think he's blocking Shankland a little bit and to degree Xander Clark. I know the rule is um, a, a player is interfering with play when he kind of obstructs the opponent's line of vision when challenging for the ball. I think the claim will be is he actually challenging for the ball or not. Um, I think that's maybe neither here nor there in the big picture here, so I don't get too caught up on it. But even if you take that out of it, Scott, it's a really weak goal, isn't it? You know, the, uh, from, I don't know what you think of the offside. I think there's a decent claim regardless, but it's still really soft, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100%. I think that if you take that run and you place it in front of a goalkeeper, that gets given as offside any day of the week. Now, how that's viewed differently, because he's making that run from an offside into an onside position in front of a defender rather than a goalkeeper, shouldn't make any difference. To me, that's an offside. Uh, but like you say, it is very much a trivial issue when you look at the game as a whole. Ultimately, where does the free kick come from? It comes from a right back having that split second of not nipping in when he should have done and then just being that second too late. And it was those split second decisions that were a big difference between, you know, uh, with us losing many of our goals tonight. So that's kind of where the the genesis of the goal comes from. It's given away a soft free kick in a dangerous area. And yeah, probably should have been given as offside, but ultimately, the grand scheme of things, would it have affected the outcome of the match? Probably not, when you consider what we've just discussed about the, the initial setup and make-up of the team. Yeah, I mean, seven minutes later, it's 2-0, and there's, you know, there's no kind of officiating excuses for this one at all. Constantelius uh, as well on the right-hand side, workspace for the cross, gets into the box, but... You've, the defending here from from to the hearts backline in terms of Atkinson and then Rolls, you know Atkinson losing out with a challenge in the air initially for from Schwab who knocks it down and it's Brandon the Spaniard with the English name who controls it and and fires it in over his head. It's, it's a nice finish, it's a clever finish, but it's, for me it was like when you watched it unfold, it's almost disbelief that. They're able to do this, get a knock down eight yards from goal, then control it and flick it over his head into the back of the net. And there's really barely any significant challenge on either player in the box. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I'd say both players show all the defensive resiliency of Poppadom stopping a bowling ball, don't they? I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just one of those, and, and Rogues again, we'll get to it with the, with the third goal, but. It's just so powder puff. I mean, Naismith used that term on, on Sunday and you've got to coin it again tonight, to be honest, to, uh, to describe just how poor we are at that goal. I mean, Atkinson, fair enough, sometimes full-backs, their, their game isn't winning you know, high balls at the back post. And to a degree, sometimes you can give that a pass. And I think we... We now all know after watching Atkinson for the last 18 months what he can do well and what he can't do well. So there's a certain degree that where you're just like, right, fine. I know what I'm getting with him. But with Rolls, you're just like, I've spent a year like trying to defend him, trying to say, let's keep giving him a chance, let's keep giving him a chance. After Sunday and after tonight, it, they've got to look at making a change. They've got to try something else. I get that. We've just talked about this square peg and round hole situation and how it's not it's not ideal. I really do think they're going to have to consider Kingsley if he's fit, natural year to come off tonight. But I'd be considering putting him in at left centre back and getting Cochrane back in at left back on Sunday because roles, whether it's him not being good enough, whether it's his confidence being shot or a mixture of the two, just isn't pulling his weight just now. And we're losing far too many soft goals because... It's not just a physical problem now. When you look at the third goal, his biggest strength, which was always his positional part of his game, he's now struggling with that as well. Mm -hmm. And that's when you really have to start thinking, well, if he's not even showing us anything from that part of his game, you really do have to consider him being dropped now uh, for, for the next couple of games to see if we can come up with something different. 
We will get on to the second half, unfortunately, and um, the, the further goals in this game. One thing I want to mention now, it, look, I thought the referee was horrendous again. I thought it was very poor. Um, you know, before the end of that half, uh, you know, Shanklin got penalised for nothing. Kingsley got penalised for nothing. Shanklin got a yellow card. It just again seemed absolutely nothing in, in it at all. Very frustrating, you know. You're probably like me. You're sitting at home shouting at the at the TV, Scott. So we can complain about the referee, and we've had some poor referees in the European games. Is there an element of of us being kind of naive, and maybe it's a Scottish thing in Europe that the way these games will be refereed from leagues that you know it's a Spanish referee, so it's it's less of a contact league, shall we say? There's a lot more, um, a lot more play acting. There's a lot less kind of hard challenges. People will look for free kicks a lot more. They'll try and play their way into fouls in their favour or cards against the opposition. Is there a naivety as well? Because I think the referee was terrible, but we've kind of been saying the same thing in all the European games. And there there is an element of that. I think there was just some poor officiating there. But is there an element of us not kind of adjusting our game or our approach or being smart enough with that as well yeah I think that's a good point I, I think you know the referees performances have been nothing if consistent over the course yeah. of the four yeah. games consistently it terrible does, yeah. <laughs> it does get to a stage where you start to say right we have to adapt to them they're not going to adapt to us and what we're doing so we have to adapt to, to that environment and I'm not seeing enough of that me and Mark have, have came up with a couple of examples over the last couple of weeks of, you know, the the one where Shank one's throwing the ball to the guy's hand rather than behind. Just small things. And and again, sometimes we're, we're guilty of, you know, making a mountain out of a molehill with, with these situations after, a, after such a defeat. But there is definitely a lack of sort of street smarts. In, in, in Hearts and mm-hmm. probably Scottish teams in general <clears throat> uh, you could see that they knew how to draw in fouls they knew when to go down uh, but then they knew when to be physical you know their centre halves one minute were you know great commanding and then the next minute they were falling down and that's just that that's not something that's just crept into the European game in the last 5-10 years that's been a, a staple of European football for decades so we really don't have any excuse not to say, right, we need to be a little bit more cute about this tonight, guys. You're going to have to realise that certain players are going to fall down under pressure, so just take that yard off them if you need to. Too often, we were right up behind somebody tonight in a position where they can only put it out for maybe a throw-in or concede possession, but we give away the cheap foul uh, in dangerous areas, so... Again, something that the, the team need to try and learn from, but if you consider that they've now had four games this season and eight games last season, they're not showing enough signs that there is something that they're learning from. And whether that's stubbornness, whether that's just managers looking at, at bigger issues on the park and maybe not noticing those sort of subtle uh, differences that maybe we are seeing, who knows? But it's certainly something that's, you know, there's been a trend and a pattern and what's been happening over the last few games. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Right, so 2 0 down at the break. The dive. <laughs> Pretty much beyond tarts already at this point. I'm going to get some feedback from people who've been reacting to the game just now, and then we'll talk about some incidents in the second half. Um, Ralph Smith says, Rose is a good player, but he's in a terrible run of form right now. For the sake of his confidence, he needs a spell out of the team. Civic style from last season. Uh, Hannah says, We'd rather be a man down than play roles. We badly need an attacking centre midfielder and a right back. We have some players of real quality, but we don't set up in a way that utilises them, which is quite frustrating. Jimmy M says, Didn't expect a win, but that was just insipid. No real bad mistakes, bar roles. We just offered nothing. Need to be more savvy with refs. Pauk obviously bars one of our players in the lead up to the fourth goal. If it had been the other way around, we'd have won a free kick. 
uh, there if one of free kick he said Jamie result you have to take on chin and move on the performance on the other hand needs addressed as it's the same issues arising someone in the midfield needs to step up and be commanding play uh, playmaking figure thought roles could be played into form not convinced now Pete Douglas says you get what you pay for are we surprised did we not all say this was a free hit and we didn't expect much we need to focus on the league and get third again. I'd expect to see the high-tempo football we were promised or I'll be raging. Midfield is a concern. Need creativity. Craig Dick says, stop playing defenders in midfield. Stop playing roles. That would do for me against Motherwell. Real lack of identity in any style of play is a big concern. Um, Looking more, I mean, scandalous defending, says Grant Haddon, square pegs and round holes again. Uh, Sir Ewan says any decent centre-back available on short notice to replace roles. That five-year deal isn't looking too hot just now. Fraser Pearman says simple errors again. Rhodes needs drop for his own good. Um, so there's a, there was a lot of mention of, of Kai Rolls. So we, we'll get to the second half. And they did change things, Scott. And they moved Civic into the centre of defence. Um, Atkinson and Rolls, I think, it, you know, had some poor moments, especially in the... The first half, we we moved Cochrane to centre midfield. It was kind of the the setup that the um, TV coverage had put us at initially. The kind of three five two or, or five three two, if you want to call it that. Um, <laughs> they started the half okay, but again, I felt it was one of these similar to spells in the first leg. I think Pauk were kind of just letting the game play out in front of them because they felt fairly comfortable, and they felt that when things opened up, they would get a chance and they could make us pay and it was it was pretty accurate again because the third goal came and it's one of the worst of the lot really isn't it because Hearts had been getting plenty of the ball to start the second half and the ball was just fired over the top really um, and a guy rolls just a, he kind of he gets caught under it doesn't judge it very well it comes in behind um, the ball's played into the box, and Constantelius. The, the worst thing with this is he. It's a terrible first attempt. He, it's almost a fresh air swipe, but there's no one near him so much that he has a fresh air swipe. The ball kind of bobbles in front of him, and he has time just to control it and pretty much pass it into the back of the net. And suddenly, you know, if you know, if if the game wasn't over before then, then it's absolutely over, and now we're into kind of hammering territory. It's just so simple, isn't it? I mean, you're you're playing a decent team, aren't you, Scott? But at the same time, I mean, the goal was there was nothing particularly great about the quality behind it, was it? It was all of our own making. No, you're right. I mean, we we lost a a pretty bog standard Scottish Premiership goal there, and uh, you you could look at a lot of the goals that were scored tonight, and they weren't indicative of a team, you know, cutting us open. They were. Luckily for us, I felt like they were not playing in fifth gear. I feel like they were one or two gears off tonight. I think they were well drilled, they were well set up, they knew when to press, and they took their opportunities when they came, but I don't think they were at the top of their game tonight. And I think the type of goals they scored were more down to our inability to do the basics. You know, again, we, we talk about Atkinson at the first goal, Atkinson and Rolls at the second, Rolls specifically at the third, but Cochrane as well, not really matching the run, the central midfielder. And again, that's where this square peg and round hole situation goes against us because Cochrane's having to identify threats in an area of the park where he doesn't normally have to worry about it. So again, you know, you're you're just starting off on a on a negative there, and it's and it's a real struggle for them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Rolls is probably the you know the the worst offender for the third goal because he just he gets caught ball watching positionally. He's not in the right the right position. You know, ultimately, if you're playing in a back three, which I'm pretty sure we were still in a back three at that part of the game. Yeah, we you did go back to back four late on, but I think yeah, it was still a three at that point. You know, if you're the left centre half, the right centre half, you know that the centre half is almost playing a sweeper position. So he is going to be deeper than you. So if you're playing left centre half like Rose is, you know that there's every chance that there could be a run coming in round the back of you because you know that you're not the last man in defence. You're not playing an offside when you're in that when you're in that back three. Only Kent can decide if you're going to be trying to play anyone offside from that position. So the fact that he gets caught 
go side of someone in that area of the park is just it's again maybe a bit a bit of hyperbole here, but it's unforgivable. There's so many things I've seen tonight from him and Sunday where I'm just like, it's just time to stop trying to make it happen. I feel yeah. like we're the fans, the board, the management, everyone is almost forcing this to happen and willing it to happen because we've given them that five-year deal. But I think we've got to just accept that it's not going to happen now. And I think tonight was the, the last nail in the coffin. As far as I'm concerned, anyway, he might still play on, on Sunday. But for me, it's pretty much done. But even, even if it's not a case of it being done, I mean, sometimes players need to be taken out taken out of the kind of firing line um, and I think we saw it with Civic and I've I've said it on the podcast before and I've said it to um, to you and I've said it to Mark kind of privately as well I mean I'm I've always been a kind of Civic over roles guy and that's not to say that I think you know Toby Civic is the greatest player ever and he's the answer to all our problems I, I, I think there's a decent player in there I, I would say at this point you know Civic's had his poor spells and he's had his errors he wasn't Great today. He was playing midfield, though I think he's better playing at centre back. Um, we all talk about Halkett coming back, and we hope you know, hopefully, he will be back soon. But right now, why are we just continually playing roles? I mean, Civic himself benefited quite a bit from being out and then coming back into the team. So sometimes you do need to be taken out. I, I, I don't, I don't want to write Kai Rolls off completely, to be honest. But I, I know where you're coming from. It's it's very hard to keep defending it because right now. It's just constant, you know the the errors of of judgment and just getting poorly positioned. And even his recovery just doesn't seem to be, you know, it's one of his plus points was always his recovery because he was sometimes maybe getting caught out with something over the top, but he was always getting back into position quickly enough to to make up for it. Maybe he gets found out more in Europe because it is better players. I mean, the fourth goal, uh, just to round off the goals because we do have to talk about them all. Um, it's the Brazilian ties on again. Um, I don't know if this is a. It did seem like it looked like maybe an easy foul to give the way Denham got barged over, but or should we be committing? I mean, we committed a lot of bodies forward for a set piece when we're already five one down in aggregate. Is that just? I don't even know. Naivety? Is that just silly? I mean, why do we need to commit everyone forward for that? And they kind of just walked in after that, didn't they? Don't think so. I don't think this is a goal that we lose because of the circumstances of this individual game. This is the sort of goal that I was worried we were going to concede quite a bit at the start of the season. That sort of quick transition against teams that hit us on the break. We yep. looked susceptible to it at the tail end of last season, then during the pre-season friendlies, and and it was a big concern in mind that we were going to get caught in those types of uh, circumstances. So I've I've got a huge concern about that, not just for tonight, but moving forward as well, uh, because it was clear that none of our defenders were getting back for that, and we were left in a situation where Alex Lowry, who, let's face it, is a ball-carrying midfielder, uh, he does what anyone in his position would do, which is pretty much watch the ball and not the man. Uh, the runny ties on going in just behind him. It's not... It's not the world's greatest run. It's a pretty standard, bog standard run across the back uh, for a forward player. So, so yeah, it, it is it is concerning seeing that. I think going back to the uh, what you mentioned there about about Kai Rolls and 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 obviously the impact of him playing is currently having. It's quite demoralising on three fronts. It's going to affect his confidence. You can clearly see that. It's affecting the mood of the fans because it is now probably getting to a stage where fans are going to turn up on Sunday and if his name is read on the team sheet, there is going to be, you know, disgruntled voices probably yeah. when you hear that name getting read out. And then it's also demoralising to other players as well because they, they'll they know, they'll be watching that and thinking, what's it got to take for him to get left on the sidelines? So it's... It's, it's a decision they're going to have to make because if they continue to go with this, I don't see how it gets turned around. I don't see how he just turns it around on his own all of a sudden in a few games. I think he is going to need a spell out on the sidelines and for there to be extensive work carried out with him Monday to Friday on that training pitch. And even then, I'm not convinced that it's going to work, but that's the very least that they need to do just now. Uh, because it's it's clear that he's he's 
all at sea just now, you know, and that third goal was probably the worst one that I've seen us concede. Probably even worse than the penalty that he gave away last week because that was more about maybe just instant decision-making, which sometimes yeah. any footballer can be guilty of making a rash decision. Yeah, rush the blood to the head type. Yeah, it? that was basics tonight. That was football and basics. That's football and 101. So for me, that decision needs to be made and it needs to be made on Sunday. And, and the thing is as well, you know, we can... Centre mid is a little bit more difficult because we are really, you know, we're, we're kind of low in options just now. But oh, Halkett is out. But in terms of centre back, um, for you know, for tonight's game and now for Sunday because he's back available, you you could put Kingsley into left centre back, and you could have Cochrane left back. You can you can put Sibic into centre back. So we do have other options who have played there, and you know they've had their faults, they've had their poor runs as well, but. They are players who have proven they can play in that position. So it's not like we're, you know, we're, well, we can't drop Kai Rolls because we literally have no other centre back to play there. We do have other centre backs we can put in there. So I think you're right. It does feel like we're trying to force it a little bit. And sometimes it's not only, it's not only a negative thing for the team, but it's a negative thing for the individual. If he needs to be taken out because he's just not on form and he's lost his confidence, sometimes what he needs is to come out and then maybe he comes back in when the pressure isn't on him so much. Um, so, so, I mean, 4-0, uh, we did go back to back four, which I don't know what that says about the current kind of thoughts from, from a management point of view in terms of the setup. We started with a four, we went to a three, went back to a four. You know, we start with Cochrane kind of out left in midfield, they ended up in centre midfield. Uh, you know, we got some comments from certain people as here at Elliot Hall says, Robbie Nielsen out, oh, wait, um, dot, dot, dot. Sam said, what has changed? We're even further back than we were last season now, stuck with a less successful managerial setup and poor recruitment. Sam Phillip said, pathetic, the experiment was not working. I missed big physical organising, hard to beat hearts. Um, FM Jambo said, if Robbie Nielsen was the manager, he would be getting pelters right now. It's an interesting one. Now, it's, you know, we've, we've spoken about Robbie a few times on here and we, we know by the end... He had to go. It wasn't good enough. Um, the problems certainly appear to run deeper, though. I think everyone had this idea that you know, Robbie Nielsen's approach was the big issue, and you know, by changing it to to the current management team, that that would instantly solve that because they'd have a different approach. And I think we saw it in a few games, but we've been there before. You know, Robbie was once the one who came in and freshened things up being more proactive and then, you know, quite soon you have to start tweaking your tactics for certain matches or people counter tactics and stuff. It, are these problems deeper rooted? And isn't, you know, I don't want us to seem like a, just because, you know, he has been a, a guest on our podcast a few times, you know, we know Robbie had to, had to go at the time he had to go, but it does seem that there's problems that are a little bit deeper than just Robbie's tactics where the be on end all of all our issues. Yeah, I, I, I think to a, a degree, what you've mentioned there could probably lead us into a, quite a tangent. And, and it's probably something... I know, I'm forgetting, we're, we're doing no, the no, roundup, aren't we? It, it's possibly <laughs> something that we could even cover in a, in a standalone podcast because there is a lot of, you know, recurring evidence to suggest that there is a mentality issue within the club. And that isn't just with the current players, it's under different custodians of the club, different managers, different players come and go. And we as fans have, have, have seen the same trends developing, you know, season by season, decade by decade. So that I, I think you're right. I think it does go a lot further than Robbie. I think all Robbie was really guilty of was probably just hitting his ceiling as a manager. You know, sometimes yeah. managers are, are good within a certain remit. And he might be one of those managers that knows how to get teams out of the championship and how to get teams then in a stable position the following season. And there's no, like, I'm not saying that in a negative way. That could just be his sort of niche. And I think it was the right decision to get rid of him. But then where I think the club have went wrong is I don't think they've, they've really freshened the voice enough after it with the appointment of Naismith. I think... It wasn't a bold enough appointment. 
I'm yet to be convinced that they really did make any attempts to bring anyone else on board. I know that there was a bit of a half-hearted attempt to speak to Sifuentes, who was at, uh, oh, can't, is it Hammerby that he was yes. at? I keep yeah. wanting to say Helsingborgs, but I know it's Hammerby. Uh, he's so, still yeah, there and he's he's now... Um, being linked to every other job, yeah. He's, he's been linked with Hibs quite a bit, but I don't know if that's just their fans, but he's certainly been linked. He was, to be fair, he was interviewed. And I know... But there I think some... there was smoke and mirrors involved in that. I don't think there was ever an intent of giving him the job. I think that the, the board were worried how that would look. Again, we use that overused term now of optics. How the optics would look if we just decided to give Naismith the job off the back of winning two games out of seven. Yeah, I think um, I think some people were were quite keen on, on giving Naismith the job. I don't know if everyone was, but I think from... From what I heard, there was maybe um, Sifuentes was interviewed, but I think some people were still quite keen. And to be fair, at the time, you know, we should say that I would say that the majority of fans seemed quite keen on Naismith getting the job. So it wasn't like it was a a decision that was kind of been widely um, widely received in a negative sense by Hearts fans. I think generally, and, and we spoke about it in the podcast. Neither Mark or myself were the biggest fans of the decision, but we can understand it. So I think we have to say that it wasn't like the board were going against fans' wishes and everyone was, you know, had this big clamour for a different name or a different approach because we've seen that fail before. Um, but yeah, I think at the moment it doesn't feel like an awful lot has changed, does it, from the issues that we saw, the, the issues that got us into the problem, the issues that saw us kind of throw away third place in the end. No, I, I would agree, and, I, and I'm a bit concerned that because of the the current infrastructure in terms of who's given what role uh, on the surface of it, in terms of in the, in the public eye, I'm a bit concerned that if things continue to go down this path, will the club naively think that to, to get the fans back on side, all they need to do is just say that Frankie McAvoy's been relieved and Naismith's now the manager. So there's a concern that they'll use that as a potential get-out. Uh, I'm also a little bit concerned that I'm not entirely sure if Joe Savage is Stephen Naismith's peer or if he is someone who is working directly above Naismith. I think there's still a bit of clarity that needs to be involved in that. I'd like to know how involved in Naismith's appointment Joe Savage was because I do think there is a little bit of there's a little bit of a muddy in the water as to who's actually making those decisions. I would feel more comfortable if someone with Joe Savage's experience was involved in that decision making. I am not comfortable with the idea of that being down to the likes of Andrew McKinley and Ann Budge who for all their skill sets I don't think can identify a successful football manager. And I think Anne Budge has proven that uh, with, with previous appointments and how badly she handled the Craig Levine situation. So there's a few things they need to sort out. Because they've hired Naismith, the issue I have is that if things continue to go down the path that it is just now, they'll give him plenty of time to try and fix it because like you see in politics, if somebody brings in a minister... They won't seldom change it after three to six months because then it looks like it's them that's mucked it up rather than the individual that they've hired. So they will probably give him enough rope to hang himself with. And I'm deeply concerned after what I've seen in these last two games. Again, domestically, could we still finish top six, top four? Of course we would because I've not seen much out of the other teams to suggest that anyone's going to run away and sort of create this own little island of their own in third spot. I think everyone's going to slit each other's throats, but just because our rivals are maybe not making headway, it shouldn't lead to us being complacent. It's about time the board were proactive in these situations. With Robbie, I applauded them because I felt like that could have been a situation where he'd sort of generated enough cash and credit in the bank by finishing third the year before that they may have said, well, let's give him the full year, you know. Uh, he's done well the last couple of seasons. Let's give him the full 12 months to see how he gets on and then we can review it again at the end of the season. So that has been one of those rare occasions where you can applaud the board and say they were actually quite proactive in that sense. It didn't work out ultimately because Naismith couldn't get us to third, but 
I think it was worth the risk at the time, given how much money was up for grabs uh, with a third-place finish. So there's a lot that needs to be unpacked just now. Again, we should just be looking at tonight in isolation, but we feel like it's circular conversations that we're having just now regarding our away form, our performances in Europe, our inability to plug problems in central midfield and central defence, issues with Natty Atkinson. These are all circular conversations that Hearts fans have been having for 12 to 18 months. And because of that, the frustration grows when you are defeated 4-0 from a team who have a combined transfer value budget of around 50 million. That in isolation shouldn't bother you, but because it's on top of all these other issues and problems and concerns, that's when the fans start getting quite irate. And again, it's going to need a quick turnaround. We've got two home games against two teams that you'd imagine will be in and about that sort of top 40, top six position. So we really need to show up. We can't be falling back on fatigue and travelling and all this stuff. We really need to send out a team that are looking at getting in the team's faces from the off and looking to get a positive result and positive performance. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Uh, before we go, we are going to look ahead, as Scott just mentioned, we've got some big games coming up. Uh, and some people are looking, I guess, at bigger picture. One of the messages we got was from Pants Chaton on Twitter, who said it was poor. Did we expect anything more, though? This is in reference to the Pout game. Maybe a bit. I think people underestimate how formidable that team are on their, at their own place. Everyone will forget now how impressive it was to claw back the Rosenberg tie. A big few weeks coming up. And there's a big few weeks coming up, and it starts with the home game against Motherwell on Sunday. Now, what are you looking here, Scott, in terms of what do you want to see in terms, in terms of the heart set up and performance that's been different from what we've seen in the last couple of games? I think there is, we've not had much of a chance to talk about this tonight, but there's been a couple of positives from the last two or three games. I think Kenneth Fargas has yeah, shown that I, I yeah. think he is going to have something to offer us down that right-hand side. I think he's got more of a willingness to hit the byline than Yutaro Oda does. So they're slightly different options, and I think what I've liked for Vargas is that there's definitely a sort of aggressive style to his running, and I think he can commit players into fouls and so he gets, you know, pressing higher up the park. So hopefully we'll see more of that over the next couple of games. I want to see Alex Lowry playing from a central position. I don't want to see us play with two sitting midfielders on, on Sunday. Unless we've got two fit sitting midfielders that we're going to start with, then there's no point. There's no point going with Cochrane. There's no point going with Civic at this stage. You play Devlin and you play Lowry next to him, and you just go with that risk and reward, you know, you, you balance the reward up against the risk and if Evan Lowry trying to dictate the game from that deeper position is going to see us be more proactive on the ball and give us an option who can take the ball off the centre half, who so quite clearly aren't up to, you know, really carrying the ball forward, then that's something I want to see. What you see Kingsley at left centre half, again, injuries permitting and Cochrane back in at left back and I want to see us try and persist with Boyce and Shankman up top because I do think that is the way forward. You didn't see much of it tonight, but I do think if we could get those two on song, then we can turn around this this sort of slump that we've had and start to get back on track in a domestic point of view. My problem is I don't see a lot of those things happening and I do worry that on Sunday, as much as Motherwell don't have an abundance of attacking talent just now, I think... Uh, Connor Wilkinson's pulled up with an injury. The lad that they got on loan for Arsenal that showed up well against Hibs, he's got an injury. So they really are struggling for forward players. So as much as I'm not sure that they're going to be able to offer much of a threat, I'm a bit concerned that our European hangover is going to mean that it's going to be you know, a, a bit of a stuffy match with neither team really creating much. And I'm a little bit concerned that the fans are, are going to turn if we don't really produce anything positive within that that first 20 to 30 minutes. So, yeah, Motherwell three points ahead of Hearts just now. One, two, drawn one. Haven't lost yet in their league games. Hearts won one, drawn one and lost one. 
four points so far. Uh, what's your what's your prediction then? Give us a score line and a Hearts goal scorer, one of the Hearts goal scorers, if there is even to be a Hearts goal scorer. I am going to say one nil Hearts and Lauren Shankland. Okay, fine, fine. Um, I'm going to try and get back to being slightly optimistic. Although I say that, I think I said that we'd lose 2-0 to Pauk, so maybe that was optimistic at the time, considering we, we conceded double the amount of goals. I, I think we'll probably still concede right now, maybe a little bit of soft softness at the back, but I'm, I'm going to go 2-1 hearts. And um, what am I going to do? Something slightly more out there. Vargas is going to get his first goal. I think I agree with you. He's been lively recently. I think he's one of the maybe the few positives in some of the the recent matches where we've not been at our best. So hopefully he'll grab his his first goal, and that'll be that'll be something good to see. Um, whatever happens, we'll be back next week to discuss it. Hopefully we we will be slightly more upbeat than we have this week. If you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can tweet at around the funnel, or you can email podcast at scarves around the funnel. .co.uk. In the meantime, thanks to Scott for joining us again for this make some noise segment of Scarves Around the Funnel, even though there wasn't a lot of noise to be made after a disappointing exit from Europe for another year for Hearts. Hopefully we'll be back there next year, but that will very much depend on how they pick up domestically. Let's hope we can start with a win against Motherwell at Tynecastle. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. 